friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show with five, four, hey, hey. three, two, one. Let's go. This is Tim and Friends. January 13th, 2022. I am Tim McAuliffe. Sitting to my left, gathering your interactions at Tim and Friends on Twitter and Instagram is my friend Jesse Rubin. Zoolander over here. What a start. You see that little uh, little stare? Hansel. Uh, I'm not so g- hot right now. I'm not going to lie. The wife came home with Just for Men today. No, she didn't. She, she did. What do you no, think about didn't. the wife coming home with Just for Men today? How did you take it? Like, what was your... To walk us well, through. I, we had actually discussed whether or not I should Just for Men... The old beard. And today she came and she said, what do you think? I have told you that I, I'm a fan of the... Patchy gray? The gray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a grizzled when it, look. When I, first, uh, when I first grew the beard, I thought, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a little uh, Triple H when he shaved his head in here. And then I watched myself on TV and I realized I was just the big guy from This Is Us. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Like I wanted to be Triple H with a shaved head. Yeah. <laughs> big Toby. But Toby yeah, the big from guy this from us? This Is Us. He's the man. <laughs> he Great is, character. He's the man. He oh, is the man. He, yeah, he's And he's I realized amazing. if I just kind of shaved the sides, yeah. I'm, is that his name? Toby? My Toby, wife watches yeah. it. Toby. I don't watch it at all. Yeah. But then I get caught in it and I look. Randall's a real nice guy. Yeah. You know? No, good characters Stand-up on guy. that show. Real character building <laughs> show. Um, so hold on a second. Yeah. So are you going to use it? <laughs> I don't know. I brought it up on the show. I feel like I haven't used it. Yes or no? I haven't used it. What do you in, mean? In my life. Well, you seem defensive. No, no, no. But my question is, is there a chance here that, like, something goes astray? Yeah, without a doubt. And then, like, we have a show to do the next day. Like, what do you, do you just wash it out if something goes wrong? Is I that how it works? Ask, uh, ask Keith Hernandez. <laughs> Walt Frazier. Right. His stash is trash. His beard is weird. Yeah. Is my beard weird? We could ask at Tim and Friends. You're, no. you're, you I are, think it would be weirder if you are the, you just it. the digital producer. You could ask. Should oh. McAuliffe just for men okay. this ish? Pull. All right. I'm on you say no? <laughs> Jesse, you say? Hard no. Hard no? Hard no. You're no? I don't know. I don't know. That's, thanks for that. I don't, uh, I don't need all of the gray out. But there's, like, it's pretty damn patchy. So is what? It not? So? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. You got it. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, come Dobby after says me, there's I'm a little white in there too. I think oh, that's man. just what gray is like. Oh, there's a little white. Like the individual I, hairs. I love, I love how Jesse didn't want to own that. I, this is we'll pull the curtain back here. He didn't want to own that there was white in there, so he blamed the producer talking in his ears. No, that was just his there, opinion. <laughs> no, honestly though, there. like if you ever, you ever pull out, I pull out gray hairs all the time, and they're not gray, they're white. Yeah. Right. That's a thing, right? And then it just comes through as gray. I think so. Yeah, I think that's so. your science lesson. All right, it's McAuliffe, it's Rubinoff, and, and a cast go. of at least tens behind the scenes who have been working their collective ass off all day to bring you the latest and greatest the sports world has to offer outside of my gray beard. As always, goodbye with a little help from our friends, two-time NBA champ Kenny the Jet Smith, two-time Stanley Cup champ Christopher Stieg, and all-around baseball champ Ken Rosenthal will all join the fray. Five games in the NBA tonight after nine last night, including some real interesting ones that we will get into. Eleven in the NHL tonight after three last night. Also, some interesting games that we will get to. And that right there is 
kind of where we start in the NHL last night with Jesse Rubinoff. And first things first, let's have some fun, Tommy Gunn. Ooh, Tommy Gunn. Like Rocky Tommy Gunn? I think there was another Tommy Gunn in sports. Like a real Tommy Gunn. A real Tommy Gunn. I think a college yeah. football player named Tommy yeah. Gunn, but I was referring to Rocky Tommy Gunn. Yeah. Good boxer. <laughs> Couldn't cut it, though, against Rocky. Um, pulls up, by the way, Toby. So I'll let you know. Toby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll, see, uh, we'll see how it transpires over the course of the show. We couldn't go Triple H. Yeah. Had to go <laughs> uh, okay, so let's get to hockey. A pair of Canadian teams on the ice in the <laughs> NHL last night in Boston. Brad Marchand recording his fifth career oh. hat trick oh. for the Bruins in their 5 so 1 win over the Habs. That loss combined with the uh, Coyotes' win means Montreal is now dead last in the NHL. It's not their year. And of course, the Coyotes win coming at the expense of the Toronto Maple Leafs despite outshooting Arizona 46-18. Toronto losing 2-1 in the desert. Austin Matthews scoring the only goal for the Maple Leafs. So, uh, of course he did. So, Timmy, did the Coyotes just cement Austin Matthews? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with, with the 19 points that they have this year, with the, uh, the great young team that they have to surround them with, with the great stable ownership that they have <laughs> in Arizona, and that beautiful new arena. Wait, hold on. None of that is true. In fact, they don't even have an arena for next year. But don't worry. Gary Bettman just told Quebec City, and I quote, while we are appreciative and flattered by the interest expressed by Quebec City, unfortunately, we are not aware of any opportunity that could address that interest at the current time. <laughs> but I digress. Listen, felt like a trap game for the Leafs. Second half of back-to-backs. Your backup goaltender in there against a the team that you're supposed to walk uh, because they're dead last in the league, or at least they were. I'm less worried about this one than I was about the previous two and the Leafs got three points out of a possible four yeah. from the previous two. Um, listen, Austin Matthews was dominant. It's ridiculous. I mean, he, he set a Leaf franchise record that has stood for a century, like legit a century, and could have had three. But as dominant as Matthews was, Carl Vomelka was better. <laughs> I can't believe Sometimes that happens. I didn't know it was going to be Vomelka. But that's where we're at. Oilers should trade for him, like right now. <laughs> right now, like <laughs> forty-five six. Leafs outshot him forty-six to eighteen. Yeah, like, Coyotes didn't get their first goal. They were shots were fifteen to two at that point. Like, what are you supposed to do? Like, what are you supposed score to do more. if you're the Leafs? Yeah, I get that, but like, <laughs> score more than the other team. You, you basically tripled their shots. You tripled their chances. Like, there's only so much as a hockey team you could do. And, and like, Matthews was unbelievable last night. What's incredible about dominant. him? Dominant. What's incredible about him is that everyone knew he was going to score. Like, I know SM Betts had a poll last night. Is Matthews going to score? It was 90% yes. Mm-hmm. And he did. Like, everybody knew this guy was going to score, and he did. And it was the only goal that they were able to manage. Like, you mentioned it. He was absolutely dominant last night. And these things happen over the course of the year. I thought it was interesting what Sheldon Keefe had to say about Peter Mrazek and, and how in the second goal they could have used a save there. I mean, he backtracked a little bit in the rest of his answer, but I thought that was... What an ugly goal that was. Yeah. A little bit of a shot across the bow there, but... Like, I feel like I'm a Leaf apologist this week, just saying, like, ah, oh, nothing's to worry about. But, like, I really don't think in this situation the first you can two, look at anything. I, I, you can tell me whatever you want about the first two. I, my, I will, until they respond to adversity when it matters most, question whether or not this team can respond to adversity. Yeah. I felt like I was watching Miracle last night, watching Vimelka. Like Jim Craig against <laughs> the Soviets. Uh, for those wondering, the NHL record for... 
Listen, Austin Matthews has now scored nine straight road games. NHL record is 11 games. Quick trivia, 11 straight on the road. Can you name the two guys in NHL history who have scored 11 straight on the road? And here's the deal. It's not Wayne Gretzky. Mm. Like, wouldn't you have just assumed immediately Wayne Gretzky? Oh, I'm in trouble. I feel like I, this is a hit to my credibility if I don't get this. Uh, okay, I'm going to go with first Ovechkin. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah, that's a tough start for me. How many X's do I get? There are, uh, there are two great goal scorers, and they're from the time of great goal scoring. From the time of great goal scoring. I don't know what that means. When do they score the most goals in the NHL? I don't know. Mike Bossy? <laughs> Brett Hull? Getting closer, uh, but <laughs> uh, Steve Eiserman. Oh, okay, that's yeah. Then right. Pavel Bure. So they did score goals in that era. I was kind of close. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, did, was it? Aren't we immediately to the '80s when you say the time of great goal scoring? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But wasn't Bure like more '90s? 90s? Yeah. yeah. Early yeah. '90s. Yeah, early yeah. '90s. Fun time. That was what. Yeah, oh. that's yeah. Fun times. By the way. Um, with the Habs game against the Bruins. Like, was that Brad Marchand appreciation night? Like, he's leaking from that massive beak. He's so good. He's got the hat trick. He's grabbing the sexy hat on the ice once. Like, I don't, I know that he, he's just so damn consistent every year and he can impact the game in so many different they had a mic'd up too yeah, he had a good. funny line before the like i i don't want to be mic'd up too much because i'll say some stupid and then he says yeah the sh word that we're not allowed to say in the McAuliffe household but comes out of dad's mouth way too much i feel like do you think he's underappreciated because of his reputation yep. but i think if you uh, here's the deal yes however if you asked every General manager, every hardcore hockey fan, they would tell you, of course I would take Brad Marshall yeah, on my team. Agreed. And anyone who holds it against him and says no, it's because they hate the Boston Bruins and or Brad Marchand for what he's done to them because he's an unbelievable player. The only other thing, and we'll ask Christopher Stieg about that, the Jake Allen injured. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are we going to start seeing this with the Canadian teams because of the layoffs? Christopher Stieg is going to join us a little bit later on. Uh, there also is the Weidman headbutt. Do you want to do the how many nah. games, or do we know what One game, whatever. He sure. got one game for the headbutt. Yeah, fine. Uh, can I say something? Go for it. I, I don't mind. Like, I hate the grabbing guys from behind yeah. in scrums, yeah. and there's nothing you can do when yeah. you are basically hogtied from behind, and he chose a stupid way to get out of it, but he lost everything here and got the suspension. <laughs> the headbutt didn't yeah. land. He went down harder than, uh, who did he headbutt there? That was uh, you know what Eric Holla. You know Holla! What you know what he's trying to do? Like, he's trying to free up his body. Like, yeah. It's like a UFC-type move. Yeah, I, have, I got, no, honestly, I have no problem with the one-game suspension. Yeah, it wasn't like Bustnavich. Like, did you, like, yeah, remember Bustnavich? Yeah. He got two games. He, he, he squared up. Yeah, it was Irish hello. Like, that totally. was... Real deal. That's not what we saw last night. No. But Weidman just stupid to Completely try and get it. Completely different. Yeah. Completely different. I go to the I go to the old uh, Dennis Schwitkes. Like if you're being hogtied from behind, a little elbow to the Dennis Schwitkes. Can you even do that though? If Maybe you're, like, a completely stick. wrapped around. Maybe like a stick to the Dennis Schwitkes. Yeah. I mean that's yeah. you know a knee to the Dennis Schwitkes. Age old tricks, right? I think there. you get I think you get more uh, more leeway on the Dennis Schwitkes. Comes with time though. You got to be a veteran to know <laughs> yeah. that one. Uh, yeah. Okay, I want to get to. Um, 
something else here. Uh, back to yesterday for a moment. Rumors circulating that the Edmonton Oilers could be a front runner to land Evander Kane. Connor McDavid okay. was asked for his thoughts uh, on the situation yesterday. Let's have a listen to how it went down. Given that we are in a global pandemic and there, there could be some optics issues perhaps with, with bringing him in, do you feel that in, in regards to what happened and, and in terms of his suspension, would there be optics issues here with, with bringing a player like that in? Um, I'm not really here to discuss optic issues. Um, you know, if, if fans don't like it or the media doesn't like it or whatever, I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it is what it is. You know, I'm sure there's lots of things that go on on the ice and, and, and whatnot that, that fans don't like. And, and uh, you know, we don't necessarily have to discuss those up, up here with you guys. Uh, we posted that clip on our Twitter account and yep. uh, got a lot of engagement, to say the least. Uh, were you surprised with the negative attention? And it was pretty much resoundingly negative. Uh, I mean, <laughs> this is one where, I, honestly, I don't really know the right answer. Um, that question was what we call a lose-lose question. When you ask someone a question and you immediately start questioning yourself, searching for the answer that you want. And I felt like that's what Connor McDavid was doing. Like, he does not want to wait. You can see it in his face. Like, I noticed several folks on Twitter counting the shrugs in the word soup that Connor McDavid put together. And for the record, it was nine shrugs in 49 seconds. A lot of shrugs. Here's what he could have said. I don't have enough knowledge on the topic to give you a proper answer on that, or at least one that I'm comfortable with. That's it. Like... I'm not sure if you saw it, Jesse, but Dave Tippett was asked basically the same question. And watch how someone with a little bit more experience, been around the game a little bit longer, handled it. I'm just wondering with Evander Kane, you know, this is a player that was suspended for a quarter of the year because of forging a vaccination card. I, I just wonder. I, okay. We're talking, about, it's a mute point. Okay. For me, if you want to ask Ken those questions, I haven't, I'm not going to try to coach a guy that, that, uh, it's not on our team, right? So if, if he, he ends up in Edmonton, then you could ask me all those questions. But right now, there's, it's a mute point for me. I haven't even thought about it. He knew it was a lose-lose. He cut it off. But for McDavid to get dragged for it on the Internet because he didn't come up with a better answer, like, I, honestly, I don't really know anymore. Like, nobody wants to or is going to try to defend Evander Kane except for maybe Evander Kane but that's not my point at all here just it seems like people are going after people yeah. for the win yeah I, I 100% agree with you I think look it was a poor choice of words especially alienating the fans which I think is is what rubbed a lot of people the wrong way also like a lot of what he said was right. like optics don't matter the, basically the fans opinion doesn't matter and the reality is, like, without the fans, you're not, you're, you don't have the platform that Connor McDavid has. So there's that frustration. But he came off as, as unprepared and didn't give an answer that a lot of people wanted. But it's a rush to judgment, too, that I think is something that surprised me. It's like it became personal with Connor McDavid, which I thought was interesting, when he's answering a question on Evander Kane, who's not on the Oilers yet anyway either. So I'm not sitting here and defending Connor McDavid, but I think like at some point we, we have to just all turn the temperature down a little bit and not just attack yeah. all of the time because like it's not doesn't mean that Connor McDavid thinks that Evander Kane is a 
good person or anything like that. Like that, it was just he got caught in a, a bad spot, said something he shouldn't have said, and move on. Yeah, he turned into Miss Teen USA. Yes, right. And he got flu- like he probably got flustered and, and was trying to put together words that make sentences that have some sort of relevance to it all. It's hard. Should he? Like he just came off the COVID list. Yeah. Like I, I, I thought it was a real tough position for him to be in. Should he handled it a little bit better? Yes, but I don't know if everyone knows this. He's not the most eloquent public speaker on planet Earth. That's, right. That's another thing. Like we have this expectation of of athletes a lot of times and. Maybe we should. Maybe we shouldn't. I'm not the one, you know, I think yeah. we're here to say whether you sh- they should have that responsibility or not. But maybe we dial back the expectations of what someone should give an answer like that in that in that spot. Yeah. I don't know. And I, I get the uh, the shut up and play culture is something that concerns me. I had a conversation with Akeem Aliou about mm-hmm. it yesterday. But it, like, it's not just hockey culture. It's culture, period, right? Yeah. Like, it's corporate culture. It's entertainment culture. We see it in religion. We see it in education. And it all needs to change. Yeah. And just because the process is slow and sometimes painstakingly slow doesn't mean that there isn't process there or progress One, there. Yeah. And hopefully we're taking steps to get there. Totally. Uh, okay. But I don't think dragging someone on the internet gets you there faster. No. I, no, I agree. Um, let's go to the NBA and break things up a little bit. Yes. The battle of the East top two teams. The Nets cruise to a 138-112 win over the Bulls last night. Kevin Durant scored 27 points. James Harden had 25 points and 16 assists. And Kyrie Irving added nine points in his third game back. Tim, that's a pretty big win for Brooklyn. Would you call it a statement win? Uh, Kevin Durant did not want to call it a statement win, but it was a statement win for the rest of the NBA. Like I think there are people out there who wondered what this big three would do together. This is only the second game that they have played together, and what they did was stomp the top team in the East. Like, stomp. Like, Third quarter, take it over and leave him in. Like, Kyrie Irving had nine points, yeah. and that game wasn't close. Remember we talked about this yesterday? That's about, scary. About when your team's really good and a star doesn't do something and you still win? Like, to me, this was, this was definitely a statement. Like, this is sort of what everyone expected the Nets would do when they were all together, right? And it didn't mean they all performed, but... I don't even know if this is... What I like, I thought that was, and listen, it was close until the third quarter. Yeah. And then it was like, all right, jam done. What was it? 39 19 in the third quarter. 39 19. Yeah. Like, that's what the Nets can do to anybody. And I don't know how much Kyrie Irving is going to be able to play down the stretch, but that was, uh, we'll talk to Kenny the Jet Smith about it. Love that it. was as impressive a performance as I've seen this year from a team in the NBA. Um, speaking of impressive, and this guy has been very impressive. Tim, you were bragging about hitting a couple of uh, NBA stories earlier this year. Uh, I think there's another one that we have to address. Okay, so it's either uh, James Harden, R.J. Barrett, or Ben Simmons. Don't think it's Ben Simmons. <laughs> I'm guessing Just it's talked Harden. About James I, I'm Harden. guessing it's R.J. There Barrett. There you go. R.J. But yeah, I, I think this is like if you were to ask me what the next story is that gathers some steam. I think R.J. Barrett might be that story. And listen, it's, it's almost perfect timing for the kid from Mississauga, Ontario, the small town that is Mississauga, Ontario, uh, 850,000 so, people. But, that was so good. But with Julius Randle kind of having an off year and the back and forth with the Nick fans, like they were chanting his name last night. He becomes the youngest Nick player to go back-to-back 30-point games He's doing it on both ends of the court. I don't know if you saw what he did to Luka Doncic in that game, but 
he dominated him defensively as mm-hmm. well. Like, he had an all-around game. And, listen, sometimes uh, cities like New York don't have patience for players. And we've seen other Canadian stars get hyped. And then when they get to the NBA, struggle a little bit. Yep. Um, what R.J. Barrett's done over the last five games, and I'll read the numbers to you, Jesse, over the last five games, he's at 25.4 points per game, over five rebounds per game. He's got uh, three and a half assists per game, shooting 49% from the floor. Crazy. 52% from three. So um, I don't know if this is – I don't think he's going to shoot 50, 52% from three uh, for the rest of the season, but – Man, is he he is he could he could walk himself into some really interesting conversations by the end of this season. And this team kind of sort of needs him to. Yeah, one thing that, that uh, first of all, they, they traded for Cam Reddish, his former teammate. And one of the reasons that's at interesting Duke. at Duke, and one of the reasons that's interesting to me is because when I'm watching RJ Barrett lately, and this is specifically lately, he reminds me of how he used to play at Duke. And he was Big, strong, force, aggressive, force his way to the rim. And I feel like it's something that he got away from in the NBA because he's going up against bigger opponents. But now he's finally getting back that he's becoming a three-level scorer at the rim, mid-range, and he's shooting the three. Like that three-level scorer, and it's yes. Just, it's just making him into a much more dynamic basketball player. Obviously, it comes with growth, but to see him struggle earlier in his career and then grow from that, it's incredibly encouraging. Yeah, the, the Toronto Raptors should be a lesson to everyone around the NBA. You don't just draft. You draft and develop. Yeah. And R.J. Barrett is starting to develop, and it's going to be really interesting to see how far he goes because it feels like that trajectory, that timing, all could be kind of swirling in the right spot. No doubt. I'm more CanCon from the NBA. Lindell Wigington signed yes. uh, to a two-way contract with the Milwaukee Bucks. This is the first Canadian from the CEBL to make it to the NBA, just the second Scotian ever behind Nate Darling to play in the NBA when he does play for the Bucs. So uh, very cool to see not only the CEBL, which is grassroots basketball that needs to flourish to help Canada, especially the way we're qualifying for World Cups these days, um, but also and Olympics, but also... Um, you know, just Canadian kids getting opportunities. Uh, it's very cool to see. Very 100%. cool to see. Um, I have an update on Beardgate, if we're going to call it that. The poll has been out. Mm-hmm. We have a couple hundred votes coming in here. Mm-hmm. And we got a 58% no on should Tim use just for men on his beard. And I, for one, am shocked that 42% of people think you need to use just for men. Like, that is shocking to that, me. That's I shocking think it looks, to you? It is, because mm-hmm. I think it looks good. I guess, I guess some rationale is you use it just for men, and if it doesn't go so well, you just shave your beard, right? And yeah. then, and then so, yeah, that's, so that's, who cares? That's kind of the... Uh, but I don't think you need it. Sebi, uh, have you come to a decision yet on whether you think you should... You, haven't, you gave a I don't know before. You said, oh, you said no. I said no. Okay, good. Yeah. So we're all on board here. Uh, Kevin Mickey, a friend of the show, writes in and says, uh, Tim's beard is the game. Tim's beard yeah. is that damn good. It really does look a lot. Like, although he has the gray just like sort of in the chin area, uh-huh. I will say. Mm-hmm. I don't want chirpy, but like you got it sort of everywhere. But that's the difference. See, that's what, it, that's what I was going to do with the Just for Men. Oh, like keep the chin. Keep a little bit of gray. Interesting. 
Keep a little bit of gray. Maybe color a little bit of the rest. Isn't that kind of difficult to manipulate? Like, how do you do How the hell would I know? I've never I think we should maybe do it on the show, now that I think about it. You need, like, a full, you need really? a sink and stuff. I don't think, it's not something we can pull find, off here. I want to find another, there's another tweet out there that I saw, <laughs> and now I've lost it. And if I can just find it, nah, it's not coming. <laughs> Never mind. There's a lot of Grecian formula tweets coming in, stuff like that. All right, we'll leave the poll up, and uh, we'll react to it later in the show. Because I, 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 I know, I'm surprised. And now, see, I've influenced it already. Now it's 41.6%, so here we go. I'm going to go... Uh, oh, no, people. I'm going to go... Help find, Timmy out. I'm going to go find the other one. Yeah. It was good. Uh, all right, still to come, Kenny the Jet Smith joins us with his thoughts on R.J. Barrett, Ben Simmons, and Devin Brooker versus the Raptor. The fight. The rivalry that is. We'll continue with our friend, Kenny the Jet Smith. Christopher Stieg out of a full slate in the NHL, including five Canadian teams in action tonight. And up next, the MLB and the PA talk today. <laughs> we'll see how it went. Ken Rosenthal will join us. And maybe, maybe sprinkle a little... Hall of Fame talking there. Tim and friends on a Junior Friday. Or Friday Junior. This is a trap game, folks. Trap game for the Leafs. Austin Matthews ties it for Toronto. Woo! I'm only a matter of time. Looking back door, they score! The Zingles got another. And the Coyotes win it 2 1. RJ Barrett being serenaded again by this Gordon crowd. We're just getting better and better. It's really about who can fight for the longest. I think that could be us. He's got bad circulation, so his toes get cold. And as you know, with your can feet. I, can, I, can I get you a suggestion for him? Viagra. Take some Viagra for the game, baby. Got to fit that circulation going right. Can you get us back to something like uh, reality here? Still to come on this edition of Tim and Friends, a pair of two-time champs. Christopher Stieg, two-time Stanley Cup champ. Kenny the Jet Smith, two-time NBA champ. Our next guest is just a champ. Uh, Major League Baseball still locked out. We haven't heard a heck of a lot. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing as we wind our way towards the Hall of Fame vote? Here to help us out, the aforementioned champ. Senior writer at The Athletic, one of my favorite dugout reporters of all time, Ken Rosenthal. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Ken, how are you? Thank you, Tim. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very. Let's start with the latest on what you're hearing from those conversations or a potential conversation between owners and players? Well, a conversation took place today, but not a whole lot of progress was made. The owners made a proposal, but it wasn't all that dramatically different from their previous proposals. The one big takeaway is they offered to change arbitration and take away the Super 2 class. That's the group of two-plus players, two-plus years of service that often are eligible it's a percentage of them that get it to be eligible because they're the highest ranking service members of their class they want to change that to a formula and they say it will pay the players more the players don't like that because they like the ability to argue for their salaries so that's one thing now on free agency on revenue sharing on some of the other issues that the players have identified as important there has been no movement at all the owners have not offered to do anything to change in those areas and on the competitive balance tax, the luxury tax. That's the real sticking point, or one of the real sticking points. The owners have barely budged there. They've offered to increase it a little bit, but with higher penalties. So right now, we're about a month away from spring training, Tim, and I don't see where it's happening so quickly as far as an agreement is concerned. So the next question a fan might ask is, okay, when is the deadline here? When is the deadline for starting spring training on time? 
and even for getting the season on time. For spring training on time, let's say mid-February, I would think that there'd have to be a deal by February 1st. Do I think that's going to happen? No. For spring training to start on March 1st, which would leave four weeks, which I think would be enough, that is probably February 15th. Remember, we still have free agency to be decided. About half the free agents at least are out there, a lot of the big ones still. We still have a number of trades that need to take place. There's a transaction freeze right now, and we still need to do arbitration. Now, can all of this even happen in two weeks? I have no idea, (laughs) but that's how I'm playing out the calendar here. And right now, it's not looking promising. That can change quickly, but given how entrenched these parties are, I'm not sure it will. The uh, the grays in my beard suggest that I've been around this long enough to know that we need the time squeeze for things to start happening. When we get to the area where you're talking about, where you might miss a little bit of spring training, where pitchers and catchers are supposed to be in, where you feel that squeeze, what are the main topics going to be centered around? Because what always happens is you saw off about 80%. Union gets this, players get, excuse me, the owners get this. What do you think the main topics of conversation will come down to to get this thing done? The big one for me is the luxury tax. Now, it's a situation where the players want higher thresholds, so the bigger market teams will be not so discouraged to spend at that level. And then the other issues are free agency and arbitration, and the players want earlier free agency if possible, earlier arbitration for a greater number of players if possible. I don't know if all that happens. There are also measures that the players want regarding competitive integrity to enhance that a draft lottery would be one way for example is there a single drop dead issue no there's not and that actually to me is a bit of a problem tim because they'll just keep going around and around and it'll be like one of those situations where you close one hole and another opens right there is not one particular issue but i do think the luxury tax is a critical one for the players and one that they're going to hold pretty tough on I'm not going to radio you here. I'm going to ask you for your opinion, not inside information, not facts, but opinion. One of the things, one of the tweets that I saw at the end of the NFL season that really caught my eye was Jags beat the Colts and the Lions beat the Packers in a game that could have given both of those teams the number one overall pick, and they were fighting tooth and nail to the very end, and someone compared that to baseball. And when you brought up the luxury tax being one of the uh, main sticking points what the, what the tweeter said was basically, look at baseball and how many teams are out of it before it even starts. In your opinion, is that a problem for baseball? Yes, it's yeah. a problem. And I can say that without any qualification at all. There needs to be greater incentives for teams to continue trying throughout the season. So there needs to be an incentive, in my view, for a potentially 65-win team to get to 70. Now, under the current system, there's absolutely no incentive at all for that team to do that. They'd lose draft position. They'd lose international money as well, or at least it would be reduced because they would be finishing higher. I know it sounds like nothing, right? 65 wins, 70. Under the current system, it does mean nothing. There's no, as I said, incentive or motivation to get there, but you need to have teams trying. It's the essence of sport. And even the other night, I'll point to that game the final NFL game of the season, the Raiders and Chargers, where they could have tied, right, and both ended up in the playoffs, but the Raiders played to win. 
That doesn't happen often enough. Now, I'm not talking about individual games. The players are always trying to win each individual game. I'm talking about the actions of the various front offices and the, again, incentive to tank, to get a better draft position, to get better international money. That is not a healthy situation, and it needs to change. All right. Uh, let's uh, – I do – are we going to get an expanded playoff system? Like, is that part of the equation, too? And where do you fall opinion-wise on whether or not that's good or bad? The owners want it, and I believe in the end the players will accept it in exchange for something else Right. as part of this great matrix when there's give and take all over the place. I don't love it the way it is, but 14 teams, as they are proposing, it can work. It just is a matter of needing to make sure that teams are still playing for the best records, teams are still playing to win division titles, and that it's not so much of a fallback position where teams will stop trying. That's the concern the players have, that it's actually a competitive disincentive Hmm. for maybe a team like the Yankees that's frequently in the playoffs. They would just say, hey, we can get in easily. Well, no, you have to make it so they need to win the division, need to get the best overall record in a league to truly benefit in the playoff format would it be healthy to get more teams in more money for the sport more money for the players yes it would be as long as the thing is properly incentivized i'm good with it would prefer not but i think it's a reality that the game is heading toward yeah i think uh, folks north of the border look at the division that the jays play in and say yeah expand it as much as you possibly can given the two monsters in the al east hey listen the hall of fame is something that i truly struggle with like i i have told the story on air a bunch of different times about how in high school i had the number of a steroid dealer because i thought that that was the way that you had to become an elite athlete and it bugs me that as we get to spots like this, we just seem to forget about it. But I also understand the hypocrisy of the national of, of the Baseball Hall of Fame, where guys are in already, and we don't know if they used or they didn't use. Is David Ortiz versus Sammy Sosa one of the best examples of that? It is, Tim. Actually, I wrote about this about a month ago and got the predictable vitriol from all of my readers <laughs> right. because the Hall of Fame inspires passion like nothing else. And Ortiz and Sosa are similar in the respect that both were on that 2003 list of players who tested positive, a list that was never supposed to become public, a list that both the union leader at the time, the late Michael Weiner, and Commissioner Rob Manfred have said, hey, it wasn't necessarily accurate. There might have been some substances on there that are legal now. You really shouldn't take it that seriously. And yet, Ortiz, as you can see right there, is getting a lot of support, at least in the early ballots that have been released, and Sosa is going to be nowhere near election in his final year of eligibility. There is something weird about that, and that's what I wrote about. Now, Ortiz is a better candidate. He did more in the playoffs. He's got some numbers that Sosa really can't touch, even though Sosa has the monster counting numbers, home runs especially. But it bothers me that we have not drawn a well enough distinction here and it bothers me that this whole situation has gotten to the where gotten to the point it has yeah it's extremely difficult to decide how you want to go about this and each voter has his or her own way to do it now i didn't vote for bonds and clemens early i later changed that tim because i felt as you said other players who use peds were in we don't know to what extent guys use we don't know how long what the effect was so it would be wrong in my opinion 
to keep these guys out when others are in. Now, Alex Rodriguez and Manny Ramirez, here are players that were penalized after discipline was put into effect. A-Rod had a year suspension. Mm -hmm. Manny had several suspensions. That's where I draw the line, but others say, hey, they should be in too. It's very personal. It's very difficult. And I don't judge anyone who might say, hey, I'm putting them all in, or anyone who says, I'm not putting any of them in. Because you can make the case in any regard, and you can blow holes through yeah. any argument as well, yeah. which is really the whole problem. It's a personal thing. I feel like uh, Veterans Committee, even if they don't get in in their final year of eligibility, will look at Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and say they need to be in this Hall of Fame for it to be a Hall of Fame. I'm not so sure about no? that. The Veterans Committee can be tougher than us on issues like right. this. All right, all right. Uh, before I let you go, I was telling our audience about the amazing story that is the new Tampa Tarpons uh, manager, Rachel Balkovec. Uh, this is a pretty cool story of resiliency and not one of those ones where it's just like, hey, let's let's break some ground here and trailblaze by naming a, a woman head coach or manager. No, it's not like that at all. Yeah. She has been a strength and conditioning coach. She has been a hitting instructor. And what the Yankees want out of her in this new position is for her to be a leader. And they feel that she is equipped to do that. They feel that because she is bilingual, because she has knowledge in various aspects of the game that she can bring young players and she'll have the youngest players into a situation where they bond together as a team and perform to the highest capability so this is a great step forward and i know i got a call from an older scout as soon as it happened and he was cranky right and he said listen this doesn't work she's going to have these guys they're desperate to make their career and she's not the person to guide them i don't agree with that and I don't believe in restricting who we think, we, the general baseball world, for lack of a better phrase, mm -hmm. is the proper choice to manage. Why not expand the pool? Why not see if Rachel Balkovic can be the next great leader in our sport? I love what the Yankees did. They've been at the forefront of promoting women in various ways. Kim Ng, Jane Afterman, who is still with them. And this is really the next step for them. And it's going to be fascinating to watch how she handles this. Uh, I love the insight, love the knowledge, uh, love having you on. Thanks for doing this, Ken. Thank you, Tim. Uh, there is Ken Rosenthal, one of the best in the business right here on Tim and Friends. And again, uh, I promise to you right now, whenever we do the players versus the owners conversation in baseball, once we're done, we'll wrap up quickly and then talk actual baseball because I'm frustrated with it too. Time for a break. We'll get your feedback after this commercial timeout. Plus, Christopher Stieg on the way talking hockey and Kenny the Jet Smith. Tim and friends, back after this. Back after this. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. I am Tim McAuliffe, Jesse Rubinoff, sitting over there collecting your interactions on both Instagram and Twitter is uh, my wife bringing home just for men for my somewhat gray beard the topic of conversation du jour? Yeah, it, that is the conversation. Uh, we asked on a poll earlier in the show, uh, should Tim use just for men <laughs> on his beard? And I think we're slowly trending towards no here. I know it was okay. like more 60-40-ish. 38.8% right. uh, say yes, 61.2% uh, or with me and Sebi who say no. If I got a commercial out of it, would it change your opinion on that? Like if the show got sponsored? Like, like Keith Hernandez. Yeah. You know, like oh, yeah, I'm that open kind to of that. Deal. Yeah, business is business, baby. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, so let's look at some of the responses here because you know people don't just want to cast a they don't just want to cast the yes or no. Seb, Seb before he says yes wants a percentage. Yeah. <laughs> well, was that your idea? Did my Did agent. I just miss it. Oh, it was your idea. Okay, I just wasn't paying attention. Sure, I was gathering. Uh, comments from the people, which is what I'm here to do. So Ayan says, uh, Tim's looking like Jeff Bridges in Iron Man. It's a good look, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's clean. That's a little, yeah. if I do say so myself, it's a little fluffier than yours, like, but similar color. Just, I just started oh. here. Right. Like, right. Leave me alone, Jesse. Yes, right. I don't know about Robert Downey's look there, though. What are, what's... I don't know if I should go after Robert Downey's look yeah. ever. Yeah. <laughs> None of us should. Uh, okay, qualifying my yes answer as a visual experiment, especially if you color it on live TV during an interview like the makeup videos of TikTok. <laughs> uh, I've seen those makeup videos yeah. because I have a daughter, so yeah. I know exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> we're going to start making our own makeup videos right now because we're doing our own makeup. At so Sportsnet like, style, yeah. they are. Yeah, well, we need to, we need you to and start I, I think maybe you can. Mine would be, mine would be real quick. I don't... Yeah, I don't think people give a bleep about, about my us. makeup. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bill Wolf, producer guy, says, uh, mm. come on, you're from Scarborough. Have a little pride. Which <laughs> is great. I wonder if he knows he just made the show. Evane uh, says, um, hell no. It looks fake no matter what. Be proud in your gray, Timmy. It's cool. Aspire to be the silver fox. Right. Like, I love the, love the positivity. All right. Uh, we're bringing there. Yeah. Uh, Norman says, "Now brains before beauty, Timothy. We know that you have the brain. We can almost see it. <laughs> that deserves it. Hold on. That's not Hold a, on. I can't give like, you, you know you have one of those things over there, too. But yeah, that's but not I'm, more I'm, of a I'm working here. I'm doing this reacting. I can't do two things at once. Okay, Gordon, I really think it should be up to Tim's years. wife. Who actually brought home the Just for Men. As it should come down to the way she wants him to look. Your wife is the only one you should have to please, Tim. That is a it is a 50-50 relationship, Gordon. Straight some facts. Some give and take Gordon. here. Yeah, straight facts. Uh, okay. Uh, John says, I vote yes and miracle grow up top. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a chia pet. Let's move on, okay? Uh, Vinny Scent, classic. <laughs> I mean, it's just so good. Just so quick. Very impressive. But Vinny that's, a, that's all that. I'm talking about right there. It's just a little, a little bit of gray still in there. No, but you can t- like you can tell like that's my beef with this whole thing. It's like you can really tell. Well, that now it's that like I a, brought it up, yes, you it's can a die tell. in a box, like thing. It's not. It doesn't look, and it won't wash out. So that's even more concerning. Um, I was gonna talk about. More. I was gonna talk about someone that I know using it, and then I thought this might. I don't want to blow him up. Oh, well, Rudy Giuliani had it once. Well, yeah, it but was, it was coming down the side yeah, of the head. Not, not great. <laughs> uh, and then Courtney, who said. Uh, if Tim's jacket was a shade lighter and the beard lost its gray, he'd <laughs> <Yes. laughs> look like Toby. That's the one I was talking about that I was looking for in the first block of the show. That's pretty damn good, Courtney. <laughs> in fact, it's so good, we tried to recreate it during the commercial break, and I think we got pretty damn close. I wanted to be Triple H in his prime. I'm more like Toby from This Is Us. How did you... Okay, so... When, when your wife brought home the Just for Men, how did you identify that Toby immediately was the character that you thought you looked like? Because it's pretty good. I'm, I'm, honestly, I looked in the mirror upstairs really while doing good. my makeup, and I thought, this is kind of this is kind of Triple H. Like, you know, Uncle Timmy's got a little bit of shoulders in here. <laughs> is this Triple H? And then I watched our show back. Every once in a while, I'll watch a show back yeah. just to critique myself. Yeah, yeah. Kind of go over my own game film, as it were. 100%. And I looked at myself on TV, and I'm like, oh, dear God, I'm Toby. I'm the big dude from This Is Us. And proof, I am, in fact, the big dude from This Is Us. 
Well, he's a great guy. Thank you, Courtney. So, yeah, he's a great guy. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, beard, whatever, <laughs> sure. Uh, so, yeah, he's a keep, great guy. keep voting on the poll and uh, giving us your responses uh, as well. Well, we um, have NHL jerseys, at least NHL All-Star jerseys that have been unveiled, and they look strikingly familiar. They Oh, hold on. What did I do here? Yeah. Do you okay. need some help? No, no, no. I got it. I got it. Uh, so the NHL released the jerseys, the All-Star jerseys, and they look, um, I don't know. It's in Vegas, so I don't know. Why, why are they so basic? <laughs> doesn't strike me what, as what, Vegas. Ve- Vegas has to, like, what, what has Vegas got to do with how the jerseys look? You want, like, Well, they wear gold things? helmets. <laughs> they, it's, uh, they just don't strike me as, like, anything. They're just very basic. You want them to light up? Yes. Like, what the hell are you talking about? That's with? exactly what I want. That's uh, literally what I want. By the way, just Google 1998 NHL All-Star jersey. Maddie, quickly. Is that uh, not the same thing? Yeah, so they, yeah, they copied. They got, they got lazy. They went back. They got lazy. That's went back fine. old school. We'll see if they have uh, country jerseys as well. All right, time for the break. When we come back, full slate, 11 games in the NHL tonight. That's right, Canadian fans, you could watch hockey. Five Canadian teams in action, all Canadian matchup in Calgary. We'll set it up and talk to Chris Christine next. And Tim and Friends look exactly the same. <laughs> it's so good. No, no. Tim and Friends, time for Tim and Friends. Tim and Friends. Tim and Friends, time for Tim and Friends. Tim and Friends. And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McCallum and Friends of the Show. You mean Toby and Friends of the Show, Sheepdogs. Back here, hour number two on Tim and Friends, full hour on Sportsnet 360, including Kenny the Jet Smith on the NBA. Just a half hour ago on Sportsnet, I had a hockey central. Speaking of hockey, 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 11 games in the NHL tonight, including an all-Canadian matchup in Calgary between the Senators and the Flames. Our friend Ryan Leslie is at Scotiabank Saddledome. Excuse me, Saddledome. All right. Ryan, just take it away because I'm going to screw this up. Tim, what a long, strange trip it has been for all Canadian teams this National Hockey League season. For Ottawa and Calgary, they're finally back at it. Uh, Calgary has not played since last Friday when they were in Carolina. They haven't played a home game since December 11th. And tonight, the tilt will go down here at the Scotiabank Saddlehome. As for the Ottawa Senators, they've played one time in the last three weeks. They will not have Tim Stutzla in their lineup tonight, out in COVID protocol. Nick Paul will take his spot in their lineup. The goaltending matchup looks to be Matt Murray against Jacob Markstrom. I wonder when Ryan Leslie's growing a beard. Meantime, the Canucks continue their East Coast swing tonight as they face the Lightning. Vancouver coming off a 5-2 loss to the Panthers on Tuesday. Their first regulation loss under Bruce Boudreaux. Another tough matchup for the Nucks. Not only is Tampa one of the best teams in the East, they are also 12-4-3 at home this season. See it on Sportsnet Pacific for local time. Despite two more players and a coach entering COVID protocols, the Jets game against the Red Wings still on for tonight. Eric Comrie, Brennan Dillon, latest players to enter COVID protocols bringing Winnipeg's total to eight. Jets are also playing for the first time since January 6th when they lost to the Avalanche 7-1. Fresh off their 5-1 loss to Boston last night, Canadians are back in action tonight in Chicago. Montreal has lost four straight and 11 of their last 12 and officially are in dead last in the NHL. All right, to tennis, and there was more drama Late last night, the Australian Open. Now, the 
tournament postponing their seeding uh, draw by 75 minutes until a press conference by Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison was said and done. Many thought that he would be making an announcement about Novak Djokovic, but alas, no decision has been made whether to deport the nine-time Aussie Open champ over his vaccine exemption. So the draw went ahead. Djokovic seated, of course, number one because he's the best player on planet Earth. He'll place or he'll face fellow Serbian Miromir Kismanovic in the first round. Morrison did say that Immigration Minister Alex Hawk is still considering whether or not to revoke Djokovic's visa. The tournament, of course, starts on Monday. Got it good, and since you understood some Olympic news, as Rachel Holman and John Morris have been selected to represent Canada in mixed doubles at the Beijing Games. The two were picked because mixed doubles trials had to be cancelled due to COVID-19. Morris and Holman have won four of the last six mixed doubles competitions together in 45 of the last 49 games overall. Morris won the gold in the mixed doubles with Caitlin Laws at the 2018 PyeongChang Games. All right, so let's hurry hard to our next guest, take it to the next level, with my favorite NHL rapper who also happened to win, I don't know, a couple of Stanley Cups, and is the CEO and founder of the Clever App, Christopher Stieg. What's going on, Chris? How you doing, man? It's good to see you again. You know what? I was excited. I was excited to see Ryan Leslie. I see his head is as shiny as ever. So thanks for bringing me up. Yes, uh, I think Ryan Leslie is a fine-looking man, but uh, I may yeah. be biased. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Before we talk hockey, founder and CEO sounds fancy. Could you tell me a little bit about this app? Yeah, apparently in the tech world, you want founder next to your name. So basically, about Clever, it was about democratizing sports tech. Everything out there is too expensive, too clunky, and not efficient enough. So what we've done is we streamlined the entire process, basically for a parent or a coach of taking a clip, annotating, and sharing. And that's what we've done. You could literally be a parent, keep your phone on for an hour now. Nothing happens. Get rid of it. If something happens, tap the button. You get the last 15 seconds, and it deletes everything else. You can then share that clip, you can edit and annotate it as a coach, and you can send it in or out of the platform. So again, there's just about streamlining the process. So what used to take hours to days before takes seconds to minutes now. So do you do this with your kids? Yeah, every <laughs> single day. I was at the rink today and I was like, look at you, what are you doing there? Wake up. <laughs> Oh, and then then you can really critique them and get their, I mean, now they're all screaming at me because I show them each and every day. But then I'm also like, Daddy, you know, Daddy was a part of building this, so you have to like. <laughs> right. Uh, I am that guy every once in a while holding up the phone. But every time, oh, I- like, something happens, you can see me, like, slowly lowering the phone. And I'm the worst <laughs> camera person on planet Earth. Go, Cam, go! Drop it. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, all right, so I, I brought up Connor McDavid's kind of word salad around Evander Kane. I don't want to force you to, to walk the road, but I mentioned you as my favorite NHL rapper, and you weren't afraid to have some kind of personality in and around your game. And in a sport where it kind of doesn't seem to be rewarded, at least from the outside looking in. Like, I feel like a lot of superstars try to say as little as possible. Did you ever have conversations when you were in the game, or was it talked about, maybe you should tone down the personality, maybe you should talk a little bit more in cliches? Yeah, it, oh, I got told that quite often. I remember even in Chicago, uh, Facebook and all these, uh, they, they came out, right? And so they, 
they didn't really want us on social platforms. They didn't want us being ourselves. So what that did is I felt like it closed a lot of our personalities off. And still, till this day, it's kind of fed into the next generation. Now, Connor McDavid, for him to come out and say that and just kind of come out right off the cuff and, and say that, whether it's right or wrong, I love it. I support Connor. But when you're actually looking at, at this situation in itself, this is completely Holland's thing to answer. This is not Connor McDavid's to give the moral authority on what's going on here. This is Holland. So I give I give Connor a lot of credit. I want to see more players do this. I want to see more players be themselves. We've been closed off for so, so long. So it's time that we, you know, we show a little personality, answer questions instead of just being robotic. Yeah, is is I mean, you've been on some pretty big market teams. Uh, you've been around some outgoing folks. Is it something like just separate from Evander Kane, and I know we're showing video of Evander Kane, so it's tough to separate from Evander Kane, but separate from Evander Kane and Connor McDavid, do you think the game just needs more personality? There, there needs to be a lot of things, I think, whether it becomes, we. I, I mean, I was pushing this last year about suits and, and, you know, coming to games wearing something else and starting to create more revenue streams for the players rather than just gate and, and getting your, uh, your salary. So trying to make the game bigger outside the game, make it more inclusive, do many things, invest in um, around the world in more areas to get more young kids playing. There's just so many more things the game can do. They haven't gone there yet. They need to do more. And a lot of this, again, is allowing the players to be themselves. Again, I've never said for hockey that we need to have the basketball mentalities, but go 20% of the way there. You know, ask these guys some different questions. Let them have fun. You know, create different type of rivalries. And, And for me, it starts with, you know, the ownership and the management. They need to come together, right? They're the ones closing these players off. And not only that, Don Fair, too. Don Fair has to promote it. He needs to go out. He needs to be a union leader. He's not a union leader right now. He hasn't come out and made statements on numerous fronts, right? Mm-hmm. On numerous things. He hasn't been there for his players. It's time for him to step up and get these players extra revenue, do different things, come on, you know, create funds, create tech funds, do something to help the players beyond what he is. So there's just so many things they can do and they need to do better. It seems like you're passionate about it. Like it seems like something you've thought about for a while. Yeah, you know, last year I went on so many rants. I remember they're like, get the guy off Sportsnet. If he says one guy needs to wear not a suit again, we're done. Uh, all right, so let me ask you, speaking of personality, it felt like last night was a, uh, a Brad Marchand appreciation night. That guy's got a personality. He had a hat trick. He had the beak dripping, blood running yeah. down the nose. He's got the sexy hat that he keeps for, uh, for the team. Like, how impressive is it for him to consistently – make himself a part of his team's success. It's wild. I remember watching Brad like 10 years ago and Julian didn't even have him on the power play. Like he didn't even have him on the power play. And now he's running a half fall and he just keeps getting better and better each year. He keeps understanding his game more and more. And, to go from a guy basically just sitting on the bench to running a half wall, anyone who understands how hard it is to run a power play realizes that's a wicked transformation and the dedication and everything he's put in the game to do that and to get close to hundred points every year is mind blowing. So what he does in and around the net, how he, you know, I guess when you go out with Patrice Bergeron each and every shift, it can let you play a little more freely offensively, but to his, to his uh, credit again, he does it, and it's been unbelievable. It's a great transformation to watch. He's a great story, and a lot of kids should look up to him in the way he plays. Is How hard is it to make the impact, not only with the points that he puts up, but the way he injects himself in games and can turn momentum with the, you know, he's got a little sandpaper in that game. 
yeah, he can feel the momentum. Like there's some guys that they just have the energy or have that certain energy and have that certain feel and aura for a game. And he's that guy. If the team doesn't have energy, he'll go out there and cause it. He'll get in a scrum. He'll say something. He'll do something to bring up the bench. He's also a guy, it seems like that'll call out his own teammates. He's a little old school. He'll do these things. He'll make his own players uncomfortable. And that's the part that Brad Marchand for me is special. It's, it's a guy that he'll all, he'll call someone out. It seems like, and he'll also back it up. And that's a really hard thing to do as a leader. So they beat up on the Habs, who are now dead last in the NHL. They played for the first time since New Year's Day, just the fourth time since December 16th, and they lose Jake Allen pretty early to what seemed like a soft tissue injury. Do you think these layoffs the Canadian teams are going through right now are going to hurt them long term? I do. I think it's really hard. I look I think so. Can you answer this? When are they going to get these games? Are they going to be during the um, during that Olympic break? Yeah, that's what it looks like. at the end of the season. So it looks like it's going to be a hard, you know, it's going to be a hard finish to the season for a lot of these teams. And I look at Toronto. I do think Toronto sits really well this year. They're in a good spot. They're playing good. They got a good team. But if you got to play an extra three or four games than Tampa Bay or Florida, and then fly three hours to go play them there and back, I think it's really grueling. It's going to be really hard on them, and it's going to be a tough finish. And it is definitely, definitely not ideal, especially playing in front of no fans. And, and not just Florida and Tampa. Now you got Boston, and Tuka Rask yeah. is coming back, and they're not like that division may be tough as hell to get out of. That division's big, you know. And you, I mean, I thought at the start of this year maybe Tampa might take a step back. They clearly haven't. And now it's kind of Boston's turn to turn it back up. They get Tuka Rask back, like you said. He brings energy and leadership to a room and brings goaltending to a team that's been struggling with to get really good goaltending. So he can fill that void. They have a lot of players there. And if they don't have to play as many games like the Leafs coming down the stretch, it probably fits their it fits their game and it helps them win some games. But again, it, this whole thing with the Canadian teams is very worrisome, especially coming down the stretch. All right. So if you're in Montreal, listen, it seems like this this season is almost a write off already. Like you're dead last in the NHL. There doesn't seem like it's going to be any easier down the stretch. Uh, we haven't seen Carey Price on the ice. What do you do if you're Montreal? You lose. You lose and you get that first overall pick. I mean, you just come out there and you show pride each and every night. I don't think there's really much that they should be doing besides just getting some of their young players in, uh, teaching them a bit about the systems going forward, making them understand what it is like to be NHL pros, getting Caulfield, I think, to a space and a place where he should be consistently good at each and every night. So I think those are the biggest things they should worry about. But again, just lose, take those top three picks and move on. Do you, uh, do you think there's a possibility, and listen, I understand there's a lot of hurdles for Carey Price to get over before he comes back to the lineup, and a lot of other teams are going to want to see him back in the lineup, but like, is there a possibility Montreal could trade him? I think there is. I said it at the, I think maybe I said it last year. I think Seattle makes it, per, like, it makes perfect sense. His wife's from out there. Um, it's a team that could use that type of goaltender. I know they have Grubauer, but still, I don't feel like Grubauer is their goaltender. I feel like they could go out and get a guy like Carey who would want to be there. Um, it makes a lot of sense for me that they could move him, and that seems to be the best place for me for him to go if he wants to get out and he wants to experience a new team. Now, for winning, I don't know how many contenders can can take or can take that salary on. Yeah. So, if you're looking at fit and you're looking at money and all that, I think Seattle makes the most sense. Again, I'm not an insider. I'm just making, you know, a pretty good guess, I hope. Yeah, making, trying, to, trying to make a couple dollars out of a couple cents here, uh, as I'm yeah. trying to do each and every day. Uh, Mr. Vestig, always great catching up with you. Thanks for doing this. 
Thanks for having me. Take care. You too. There is uh, Christopher Stieg. Uh, founder and CEO mm-hmm. of the Clever app. He's right about the tech that you got to have founder in your name. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I've noticed that too. Like, you can't just be a CEO. There anymore. is, uh, it's amazing when you watch kids' sports now, how many cameras are out there. Like, like a concert. It's, uh, hey, Sebi, you, like, every, yeah. everyone is holding up their phones. It's unbelievable. And to give people an, an app that they can kind of download and use. I think he might be on to something. Here. He said a lot of good things. Like, he seems founder now, so he can spit on the, the business aspect <laughs> yeah, of it, right? You mean the, uh, the buzzwords yeah. in, the, in the tech industry? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he knew what was up. He knew what was going on. All right. Yeah. Time for a break. But coming up, uh, we'll introduce you to our latest Bauer hockey hero. See how Kevin Lopez is helping to change the game. That story is next right here on Tim and Friends ahead of Hockey Central. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Still to come, Kenny the Jet Smith on what was an interesting night in the NBA last night, an even bigger night tonight. This week's Bauer hockey hero is Kevin Lopez. Now, Kevin's passion for the game, not only contagious, and you're about to see just how contagious, but he made sure it was. And sharing that passion with his community was fueled by overcoming stereotypes throughout his hockey journey. Kevin is a part of of Bauer's hockey campaign called The Barn, a series dedicated to opening up the game to everyone. One of Newark's nickname is the Brick City. I think it goes to its resilience. My rink offered an escape for us to learn and sharpen those skills of resiliency, determination. I first got into hockey when I was in the seventh grade. I remember it was a Friday. Um, and I uh, found a flyer um, and it said, imagine yourself wearing this jersey, try hockey for free. And my mom saw it and she's like, what is this? Within my community, soccer is really big because of the immigrant uh, background. Where I grew up in, in the Ironbound section of Newark, it's a very heavy Portuguese and Latino neighborhood. So soccer was just something that was just part of the culture growing up. All the kids played it and everyone joined a team, but just, wasn't very good. I wasn't really doing much on the weekend. And so my mom said, oh, you're gonna do something. Kevin came into the Ironbound Rec Center. He came in with one of those flyers and said, hey, I've, my mother found this flyer. I mean, so what do I do? And he said, don't worry, we'll teach you to skate. We'll teach you the sport. All we need is for you to come here and work hard. Kevin said, I can do that. He's like, but just wanna let you know, I got cut from every soccer team there is out there and I don't have a lot of athletic ability. He said, no problem, Kev. So Dennis and I started here 19 years ago. We took over the only inner city high school hockey team in New Jersey. We decided to create a program that would eliminate all the obstacles to play the sport. Buying the equipment, coaching, just make sure that they would be able to play a sport that they didn't have access to because of either their economic status or because of access to Iceland. My father uh, immigrated from Ecuador during the 1980s and my mom came over from Colombia in the 90s. Athletics was just really high up in my household too. My mom played basketball in Colombia. Um, so they were just really happy and thrilled when I, you know, I finally found a sport that not only did I like, but I was actually pretty decent at. Um, I don't think Embrace describes it very well. I think they dove like headfirst into the sport. Um, they've never seen a sheet of ice growing up. And one day I brought this huge bag of equipment. My parents looked at me if I was crazy. And to this day, we talk hockey, but just with just a little twist. We do it in Spanish. The first time where I 
I see all those kids and those skates and be focused in that little park. I love it, I fall in love. Yo jugaba fútbol, soccer. Cuando vine aquí, cuando él empezó al hockey, fue impresionante para mí. So I think growing up, my parents have always uh, shown me tough love, I would say. You know, coming to this country to pursue the American dream, it's always been trying to get ahead and trying to work hard. You know, sometimes you just have to put your head down and just do the work. Hockey just seemed to bring out uh, a little bit of the tougher side uh, of them too. They were, um, they believed that whatever I put my mind and heart to, I should do it well. I think that toughness came from their desire, um, one, to pursue the American dream, but two, to, for me to have it better than they did. I think the hockey made Kevin more strong, secure, you know, self-esteem. Ser una mejor persona, luchar por lo que quiere, y mirar hacia adelante que todo se puede en esta vida con lucha y esfuerzo. I think hockey means opportunity to me. Um, it was an opportunity to learn something new, but it also was an opportunity to open doors to other opportunities. I met, you know, wonderful teammates through the sport. Um, I met wonderful people that op that helped me open doors um, to higher education. One of the first persons to speak to me about Princeton was a mother of one of my teammates. Dennis and I were heavily involved with the schools that he was applying to. We knew, like, each day what was going on. So we finally got that phone call and we heard just pandemonium in the background, just people screaming in Spanish, Coach, we did it, we, I got into Princeton. And I was like, what did you do? He said, I'm in Princeton, they, I'm accepted into Princeton. And it was like, we won the Stanley Cup. We say that in hockey, it's not about I, right? Yeah. He said, we did it. Like this was a team effort That's for right. him to get into Princeton University. You should be proud, I'm proud, my family's proud, and we did this together. Sometimes inner cities get a stereotype what kids should be. And I think Kevin knocked that stereotype right out of the ballpark. In the end, he's just another kid from Newark, right? That's right. And, and that, that's how he sees himself. And he comes back here, he gives back. He truly cares about his community. He wants to make a difference for Hispanics and as well as this community of Newark. I think hockey played a huge role in, in, in shaping my in shaping my love and devotion for, for Newark and New Jersey. Um, I remember when I you know I started playing hockey in the seventh grade, and we would play other like local local towns. And you know, a lot of the parents would be like, "Newark has a hockey team." I, I think we're the only all minority high school hockey team in, in the state of New Jersey. You know, I didn't really think about it too much until you know, we started playing these other schools, and we started noticing, "Hey, we're only seem to be playing like." just white people, but that is even made us more proud of, you know, who we are and like, you know, we can do this too. The Hispanic community as a whole, I think could be better represented in the sport of hockey, but I can tell you at least in New Jersey, through the Hockey New Jersey program and through the efforts of many people in, in our state, attention to the sport is growing. You know, now the program I was a part of when I started Hockey New Jersey is releasing flyers in Spanish to encourage parents to come out and sign their kid up for hockey lessons. You know, now I, you know, parents in within, even within my own community, neighbors are talking about Devils games uh, in, in Spanish, and you know, people are putting up New Jersey Devils banners. You know, kids in the street who, you know, growing up, you know, you would always turn around and every block see soccer. Now it's very common to see, you know, two like street hockey nets or like a garbage can with kids playing hockey. And I hope, you know, this this is only the start of even better things. My barn is quite literally made of bricks. One of Newark's nickname is the Brick City. Obviously because a lot of buildings are made out of bricks, but also I think it goes to its resilience and its ability to withstand a lot of things. Newark's history um, is a turbulent one, but one of change and one of keeping your head up no matter what. Um, and I think 
my rank offered an escape for us to learn and sharpen those skills of resiliency, determination, just how to overcome adversity in whatever shape or form it came. My name is Kevin Lopez, and I'm from Newark, New Jersey. Kevin's story, another story that proves that hockey and sport is a door to helping live a successful life. And it doesn't always have to be playing in the NHL or Major League Baseball, the NBA. It can lead to a higher education, furthering career development, and creating community. Bauer, excuse me, is partnering with Kevin to provide hockey equipment for kids in his childhood hockey organization as well as a rink makeover. That's yeah, it's another great story. Just let's go, grow the game. Like the, 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 those segments, like that's what that shows to me is that like this change is happening. Yeah. Like you might not see it every day, but when you have stories like that, it just reaffirms that like it is happening no matter what you think. Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, and right. that can be across all games. Not totally. just hockey. Not just hockey. Um, let's go back to Beardgate for a second. Beard, uh, sorry, Beardgate? Beardgate. Yeah, you know, every time there's like a controversy, people just throw gate behind right. it these days. Uh, still 61.5% say no, but a couple of responses I want to get to uh, before we uh, hit the break. Should we explain that? We're talking about me using Just for Men? Yeah, yeah. Beard gate, The poll's sorry. up. The yeah. poll's up. Ask on the show, should Tim use Just for Men on his beard? 61.5% say no. Uh, agree with me and Sebi. Uh, so Brian Leach, friend of the show, uh, writes in Jesse's Giuliani comment that I made last block. Uh, made me laugh out loud. Whatever you do, just don't let it drip down your face. <laughs> could see that happening uh, if you decide to go that way. Uh, Mike says, shave that to a goatee and you could be Chris Maloney, law and order legend. Uh, I might, I might have to do a little work out, too. Uh, Jack says, uh, what's the harm in... Oh, oh. Hey, ooh, what's the careful harm in there. Look, oh, what's hey. the harm in looking a little bit younger for the next two years or so, especially considering the younger human's shoes that you sport darken the beard, so you know what, which the way... The younger uh, human Jack shoes that I sport. Yeah, the Jordans. The Jordans are for young people. Uh, Chris Black says... Jordans, he's, he's older than me. <laughs> I guess. The brand, though, Timmy. Uh, by far, the, the finer Jordan answer is yes. The ones were like... 84. Whatever. Heavy. Heavy's yelling at us here. Whatever with your <laughs> facts. Do not let Uncle Timmy dye that magnificent face sweater. I've done it. Sometimes it's amazing. Other times it looks like someone painted your face. Embrace the character uh, like you did with the dome. And then Courtney just says sorry for the Toby comparison. <laughs> Don't it. worry, Courtney. I brought it upon myself. <laughs> so good. I brought it upon myself. I thought I looked like Triple H to start the show and then realized, nope. Yeah. Just the big dude from This Is Us. All right, time to send it to Hockey Central. And for some of you, probably just in time. Carolyn Cameron, Sam Cosentino, Justin Bourne standing by on Sportsnet. As for us, we will continue on Sportsnet 360 with the one and only Kenny the Jet Smith as we get his take on RJ Barrett, the Raptors, the Grizzle for Shizzle, and plenty more. Next, Sportsnet 360, back in 60. If I'm not mistaken, this is the day of the two-time champ, Christopher Stieg, two-time Stanley Cup champion, and our our next guest, not only a two-time champ, but also a TV star, Kenny the Jet Smith, joins me now. Two-time champ. <laughs> oh, you're hilarious, man. Back-to-back. Back. 
Back to back. I love your intros. Never, I never know what's going to be said. I'm a, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a TV star today. Like you are that. a TV star. A big time TV star. What's your favorite TV show of all time? Kenny the Jet Smith. I saw the Pittsburgh Penguins ask today. I had a conversation with Nate Burleson last week. What is your favorite TV show of all time? There's two, but there's the um, the Odd Couple. The Odd Couple. Yes. Wow. Felix Unger and Oscar Madison. <laughs> some of the greatest characters ever written on television. History. Okay. Okay. And and then, then I'm a, I'm a I'm a Sanford and Son guy, man. Yes. Lamont, you big dummy. <laughs> the the fact that like I feel like maybe I need to watch a little bit more Odd Couple, but Sanford and Son like lives like. It's ever no, couple lives too, man. Yeah. Large couple li- oh, it lives too. It lives. It lives. Now, yeah. if you're talking new age era, there's a whole bunch of shows. Uh, now. But you don't have to do that. I just want no, to know what I'm Kenny not, if 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 kids need to go to YouTube or they need to go whatever wherever the hell that those two shows still live, maybe they you live. gave someone a little a little glimpse. There it is. Yeah. That was my childhood. <laughs> All right. Uh KD didn't want to say it was a statement win last night. Was the Nets win over the Bulls a statement game, or do you even believe in statement games? I don't know if it's a statement game for Brooklyn, but it's also but for Chicago, they now know that there's another level to the Brooklyn Nets, which then goes, okay, well, you know, I think early in the season they probably were going through teams and even even the Nets at times where they didn't have to play at a playoff intensity level. Mm-hmm. And now they realize to beat them, they're going to have to do that. What was the most impressive part? I mean, obviously the third quarter they outscored them thirty nine to nineteen. What was the most impressive part to you? Well, I just think that the difficulty, which we see before, the difficulty of guarding those three guys when they're all together. Like, you know, the floor is so spread out that they all have driving lanes and they all have one-on-one. If you say, who's the top five one-on-one players in basketball? Three of them are on the Brooklyn Nets. So, like, to have three one-on-one players that get to play one-on-one, that is what makes them impressive because there's no double teams that come. Every great player, LeBron, Steph Curry, like they all get double teamed running at them. When when you play with the Nets and when all three of those guys, no one ever gets double teamed. Do you think anyone can beat them in the East? Yeah, I think I think Philadelphia has a chance because of Embiid. The way because none of those three guys, their superpower would negate what Joel Embiid does, which would be stop him on the offensive end bring him out on the perimeter because he's not guarding any of them. So all of the things that Joel Embiid has as a superpower would still be a superpower if he played against the Nets. So, yes, I think they have an opportunity. The the Bulls, you know, they have, their best players are the same position that their best players are. They're going to have to go to the drawing board unless, you know, Kyrie still doesn't play at home and you get those home wins nice. and you're fine. But if you're trying to get uh, four out of seven and, and those three guys are on the floor, I'm not sure if they can do that. All right, so I'm glad you brought up Joel Embiid because the Sixers lose to the Hornets despite another big game from Embiid. They're now 8-9 and nine at home, and it comes just after Ben Simmons' agent met with Sixers GM Daryl Morey, and that reportedly didn't end well. 
Like, are the Sixers losing this fight by wasting what is a monstrous season from Joel Embiid? Well, yeah, I think because, you know, Ben Simmons, you, you, you're you never going to, like, be, no one's going to give you equal value to a guy who's in the prime of his career and just had a bad year. Like, he had a, he had a bad, not even a bad year, a bad playoff. Like, so the guy is in the prime of his career. Um, he was on the upward, upward trajectory prior to last playoffs. So, no, you, you can't replace him in salary or, and or a skill set. So, yes, this is going to be – could be a wasted season for the Philadelphia 76ers if they don't make a move after the trade deadline. If they don't make a trade by the trade deadline, this season has been wasted. Would you keep Ben Simmons or try and convince him that you didn't throw him under the bus? Like, it just, it seems like there's no other way to solve this than by trading him. And if they don't trade him, then both sides lose. Well, he would have known that I wasn't trying to throw him under the bus well before, what is this, January 13th. Right. And if he wouldn't, and if he doesn't believe it, you know, uh, I don't know. This never happened to me. It might have happened to you. You ever had, you ever asked for a girl a date and then he's like, She's waiting around. She's not doing it. See, I always got a yes right away. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, Understood. Just, yeah. You know, I always got a. I'm just. Uh-huh. I'm not speaking on of uh, like. Okay. I'm so, not trying to brag. I'm just speaking on Richfield. <laughs> right. Okay. But, but I know so, you. So had project. To, well, you had to wait. <laughs> right. And after a while, you're waiting so long. You know that that's a no. Like, that's what's going on now. This is a no. I'm not playing here. Like. I'm willing to sacrifice and, and to do this. No. And I think they have to move on. He will never play in there with the same. And he wouldn't play with the same urgency or respect that he played with you before. He wouldn't, even if he did play. He wouldn't have the same admiration. He wouldn't have the same passion. He wouldn't have the same energy based on the relationship of how it's gone. You know, you, you, you could never regain that again. And so why would you want to play like that in your franchise anyway? Listen, uh, before I lost my hair and kind of got a little, like there, there was some look to this man. I, I, I did get smart and probably locked down uh, my wife at the right time in my life. Right. <laughs> but there, I'm, I'm trying to find some old school pictures on my Instagram right now, but it's not working. Uh, I'll try and find it by the end of this conversation. I would say to this crew, I would say to this crew, is it just me or... Is there a little showtime in these Hornets? Like, I know they're not great yet, but, man, are they fun to watch. Oh, the Hornets are fun to watch. LaMelo, LaMelo Ball has changed the culture of what that team is. He's a pass-first and pass-fancy guy. So that's a contagious thing because even his game-winning shot, I don't know if you saw his interview afterwards, he said, yeah, my game-winning shot. They were like, oh, it's clutch. And he's like, actually, I was looking in the corner because I was going to pass it to the guy in the corner, and he never came. He, he never came to help. So then I shot it at the last second. He grew up, you know, in Los Angeles. Obviously, he knows what Showtime is. Um, and and if you, I used to watch them when they were in like middle school and in um, I think high school. And he had they played this style of basketball in high school and in middle school that they tried to score 100 points every game. So this is what he's accustomed to, and I think that's contagious. I I, I love his game. 
I love watching them, man. They're a lot of fun, and they got some guys uh, that can jump out the gym. Uh, time now. You mentioned the Lakers, uh, our weekly. Are you worried about the Lakers yet? Kenny, Kenny Smith is now sad to play. Are you worried about the Lakers yet? No, he's already, he's already saying no. No. <laughs> I can, you, you can't judge a team until they're healthy. There's no judgment until Anthony Davis because when LeBron James is at the five, as great as he is and how difficult it is to guard, there's nobody who will protect the rim. So all of these layups and dunks that you're seeing now, can you do that over Anthony Davis while LeBron is playing like a four or point four? So now to me, that's a whole different dynamic. I do feel that like guys like Monk, um, even Westbrook, they, they're starting to feel better about their roles because – they're in their natural position even without AD there. Uh, but, no, I wouldn't worry about the Rakers until they lost five games in a row. with, with uh, they're, they're still in the playoff hunt. They're, um, you know, in the top ten teams. They're going to be – they're at eight right now. They're probably going to end up at, on the highest end at five. Uh, I think they could catch the Mavericks. And I don't think they're afraid to play in Utah or, or anyone else in the fourth or, or the Memphis Grizzlies. Could uh, I know they're not winning as many games as he has done in the past, but could what LeBron's doing over the last little while be as impressive as he has been in the NBA? No, no, because some of those uh, he he's always done it when it when it, it meant winning. Um, so no, he's done this, but it's not more impressive. I think he's more impressive when it's when those numbers are translating into we won tonight. So to me, I've seen spring chicken anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like you're getting up there, but no one, I know the most impressive thing is his age and his, and and the longevity that he does. He does not look like a guy who's been in the league this long. That's the most impressive part. The numbers are not impressive because the wins aren't coming with it, but the way he's playing and, and at his age, he looks like he has five years left. Like it, it like I, if I was didn't know his age, and I watched LeBron James in this game, and you told me he was twenty eight, I was like, let's max him out for five years. <laughs> That's right. Uh, let's I, max him out. I'm jaw. I'm jaw dropped. And as I say jaw, I have to mention Mr. Morant. Do you believe the Memphis Grizzlies are good enough to compete with the very best in the Western Conference? Um, the only thing that they don't have is experience at, at that level. Right. And can you play with a great deal of experience at that level? Because playoff basketball is different. Uh, the possessions change. You have to beat someone four times in ten days. And they get to hone in on certain things. And that's where trust and everything, and that's where it's built. I don't know if this is their year. I think next year is their year. But this is the year that they get to the conference finals, possibly. This is the year that they get to, you know, a semifinal, you know, game seven. Um, but I don't know if they could be. They better hope they're not in the four spot in the Lakers in the five. I wouldn't want to. I won't want my first run to be against the healthy, newly healthy Lakers and LeBron James trying to prove the world wrong. All right. So last one before we let you go, uh, Devin Booker versus the Raptor. <laughs> <laughs> Who you got? I'm going with Devin Booker, man. You know what? I'm going with the Raptor, man. I'm going yes. With the Ra- Go with the Raptor. How can he's no, the only fan in the building, Kenny? Yeah, he's the only fan in the building. Yeah, you know what? There was a um, a Utah fan that used to like because their their actual thing is in the stanchions in there, like the fans could actually touch it, and they used to shake the basket. And 
He would do, and I would. I did a Devin Booker one day. Oh yeah, in the playoffs, and I'm like, the dude is shaking the basket. <laughs> then he stopped. Soon as the referees look, then I'm like, but look at the. Why is the basket shaking? Why is it shaking? So yes, I understand. But the Raptor wins on that. Yeah, if he's the only fan, listen. I think that I think Booker knew too because he started laughing immediately, right? Like yes, exactly. Yeah, and then he said, "We the Raptor wins." We hashed it out. We're homies. Yeah, the new profile pic. Uh, all right. Uh, so I, I promised that I'd find something on my phone of, uh, of what it looked like back in the day. Uh, so this is uh, formal. Uh, this is grade 12. There's, there's Uncle Timmy. Ooh, I'm before. too sexy for wow. my third. <laughs> and my bow tie. And, and my bow tie. And my, uh, and my shutters uh, on my wall. No yeah. So, uh, but so you, got a, you got a lot of yeses with that look. Yeah, back in the day there were a few yeses. Uh, yeah. But it went away real quick, Kenny Smith. <laughs> real swear. Uh, all right, man. Always great catching up with you. Thanks for doing this. All right. All Sanford right, inside. Odd couple. Uh, got it. <laughs> Kenny the Jet Smith. Your favorite show of all time. What's my favorite show of all time? So hard a question. Of all time? Yeah. It's, what's your favorite show? Probably The Wire. Wire. Probably. I feel like you Omar. have to almost separate. So the Penguins asked their, their social team, asked their players today. And there was no, like, differentiation between, like, drama. Mm-hmm. There was no comedy. Like, I think it would be a different, like, drama would be different than comedy, no? I had this conversation with a friend today, actually. Um, I don't want to take too much time here. But I find it easier to get into, like, dramatic shows than to start comedies. Do you feel the same way? No, I'm the complete opposite because I never have like an hour to watch the drama shows. Yeah, you're a parent. So I'm a 30-minute guy. Right. Better be careful with that. Um, (laughs) That that guy wasn't a (laughs) thing. So, like, The Office jumps out. Family Guy jumps out. Like, I think that might be my answer, though. The the Office. Yeah, there's so many great dramas out there. Sopranos, The Wire. Yeah. It's a tough question. Uh, yeah, I think Game of Thrones pre-season eight was probably so, so really Matt, good. Director Matt whispered in my ear, Yellow Jacket. I'm watching that. I, th- I, I watched, think yeah, like, that was meant for me. I watched like six seconds of it before turned I turned it off. it off. Yeah, it's got some weird elements to it, but I, I'm enjoying it. I sat, down, recommendation, with the, I sat down with the wife, yeah. and I said, I got, I got a couple here from work, dope sick. Dope and sick Yellow Jacket. Sick. And we watched six seconds of Yellow Jacket and then switched over to Dope Sick. And have you started, like, if you watched Dope a sick, couple? I watched the first one. It was really good. Michael Keaton. Very good. Like, when you have Michael Keaton in the show, I don't know if everything he's ever done has been good, but just gives you that extra, like, pull. Like, I know it's going to be good if Michael Keaton's in it. So The Wire. The Wire, I think, yeah. Sticking with that. Yeah. Final answer. Final answer. The Wire. Time for one last break. Uh, we'll do Last Call. I don't know if it's final call. Last call. (laughs) NHL All-Star team's about to be unveiled. We'll let you know who made the cut, I think, next. Depending on timing. All right, time for last call here on Tim and Friends. And I think we have uh, some NHL All-Star teams rolling in as we speak. Jesse Rubinoff. Is that true? I know you're holding the ear, which is the universal sign Confirming of television broadcasters getting information. Breaking news here on Toby and Friends. Uh, as we've got the NHL All-Star rosters to unveil. Let's start in the Atlantic. Nick Suzuki is the Habs rep, while Drake 
Batherson gets the call for the Senators. Austin Matthews and Jack Campbell will both represent the Leafs. No Brad Marchand. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, his hat trick last night gives him 39 points in 28 games. In the Metro, Jack Hughes is in for the Devils, while the Canes have two players in Sebastian Ajo and Frederick Anderson. And uh, no Sidney Crosby. As Tristan Jari is the Pens rep, Crosby has only played 23 games, of course, but does have 24 points. Alex Ovechkin, an all-star for the 12th time in the Central. Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr headline the division, while the Wild have two all-stars as well. Uh, Kaprizov and uh, Talbot. The Jets will be represented by Kyle Connor, our underrated superstar of the week. And in the Pacific, Johnny Goudreau is an all-star for the sixth time. Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl both representing the Oilers, while Thatcher Demko is in for the Canucks. Both Alex Petrangelo and Mark Stone will play at home in Vegas. Now, uh, important to note, one more player from each division will be voted in by the fans in the last men in vote. Uh, here are the Canadian players you can vote for until Monday on NHL.com. It's Brady Kachuk, Tyler Toffoli, John Tavares, uh, Mark Shifley, Matthew Kachuk, JT Miller, and So one Darnell per division, Hurst. right? Yes, correct. That's right. This is, um, does, is it time to change? Obviously, you need one player from each team. Uh, that is a factor in all this. Yeah. You need two goalies for each division, which is a factor in all this, because Brad Marchand isn't even in, like we were just talking about how this was the Brad Marchand appreciation night last night against the Montreal Canadiens, and he's not even in the last man in vote. That's Charlie McAvoy for the Boston Bruins. One of the other ones that jumps out at me, and I had to go double check, Nazem Kadri is fourth in the NHL in scoring, and I guess he's last man in vote, which means that Mikko Rantanen, who is seventh in the National Hockey League in scoring, will not be going to the All-Star game. He has no chance. You have a lot of players here that are not going to the All-Star game. You can make multiple more All-Star teams out of the players that are not going to the All-Star game. And what does that say about the format, right? Maybe it's time to look at the format. I'm just, I'm going through a lot of these and like you said, Rantanen, uh, John Carlson, Brad Marchand, Aaron Ekblad. So with uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins that you're bringing up, Sidney Crosby, they need two goalies. Tristan Jari's going to be one of the goalies. He's been great. So the last man in on the Penguins is Jake Gensel. Yeah. It's just, it's, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, I know, I know. No, Sidney Crosby is weird, although I don't think he really likes being at the All-Star game. Like, Yeah, maybe people just get a little bit of a break. Yeah. But there's a few teams where there are players that are going that probably shouldn't go, but someone from every team has to go. Yeah. I don't want to name them because I don't want to be that kind of douchebag, but I think we all can figure it out. Yes, yeah. agree. Uh, okay, um, moving on to the next story here. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are getting set to host the Patriots on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Expected to be around... Uh, minus 15 degrees Celsius for the game. Josh Allen has struggled a little bit That's in cold, cold weather this year. Uh, so former in his career, basically. So former NFLer Bart Scott had some advice for Allen on uh, fittingly get up. What? Can I get you a suggestion for him? Josh to... Allen listening. Can people get this message to him? Viagra. Take some Viagra for the game, baby. Got to fit that circulation going right. 
I, I don't so know how to move uh, off of that. I don't have any medical background, so I can't. I don't really have a, a response to that. But you, you played, so the, you must of, know something. A lot of us take Viagra, right? Because Viagra opens up the blood vessels. A lot of us take Viagra. What do you mean? A, a lot, lot of a lot of NFL players, at least in my day, took Viagra because it opens up the blood vessels. A lot of endurance athletes, because Viagra was first uh, a heart medicine, right? So it builds up circulation, which makes sure that it gets the circulation to the feet. To to the feet first. To the feet. Um, New meaning to this show, get up. I mean, he yes. He <laughs> he brought the facts. Like, not a doctor, of course, but brought <laughs> the facts, that? right? I'm not weighing in on, like, don't ask me he a brought question the scientific about evidence. this. I have no idea, and I've never needed it. You know what I'm talking about, Jesse Rubinoff. Right. All right? I may look like right. Toby from This Is Us. <laughs> But I'm still, I, the, the pipes are still clean. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it makes you think. It makes you think. Like, if Josh Allen's watching Get Up, like, maybe he says, like, I don't know, opens up the blood vessels a little bit. Maybe I could use that. I haven't played well in cold weather, so we'll, uh, we'll see. Maybe someone will ask him. Uh, recently, Logan Paul bought a We need to listen to doctors more often. Edition sealed, not Bart Scott, Dr. Bart Scott. Uh, first edition sealed case of Pokemon cards for $3.5 million. The case had been authenticated, but after some suspicion, it could be fake. Paul got together with the seller and the authenticator to check if they had the real deal. Oh my God! Oh my God, God. bro! GI Joe! GI Joe! GI Joe! It could have been anything else. We all got duped. Agreed? Yeah. yeah. This is the biggest fraud in the entire history of Pokemon. Uh, so a first edition pack of Pokemon would sell for over 10 grand. The GI Joe cards, $1.66. Two questions. Have you ever been duped like this yeah, before? Yeah, I just, I just watched a dupe. There's no way. Yeah, no. Right? Like that's all fake for content. Yeah, that's that's the Pauls. Okay, uh, Pokemon right. or GI Joe? Like they're fighting. I was duped with Top Shot. <laughs> Pokemon or GI Joe? Uh, I'm more of a GI Joe guy. I would appreciate the GI Joe cards more. I, I know that Pokemon are worth more. I would appreciate. The Do you remember that Pokemon? He's a real craze? American hero. Did you know that? No. GI Joe's a real American hero. No, I didn't know that. GI Joe. Oh, that's the that's the slogan. I got it. I got it. I got it. He's too no, young. no, I got You're it. You're right, Savvy. He's too young. No, it took me a second, but I got there. All right, uh, the rest of the hockey world will debate uh, the NHL All-Stars, and we'll just watch hockey tonight. Plenty on the ice and the network. Please enjoy at your own leisure. Also got the Clippers and the Pelicans on Sportsnet 360. That's it for us. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you chose to be here with us, and we appreciate it. We will talk to you again tomorrow. Come on, man. You can't run that video. That's fake.